Hey friends, welcome back to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I'm so grateful and honored you've chosen to tune in today. This show is a safe place you can come to hear relevant, engaging, and authentic topics to help you get real, live free, and pursue your God-given dreams. If you've ever struggled with your words, today's episode is for you. Sharon Janes is an international speaker and Bible teacher for women's conferences and events. She's also the author of several books, including Becoming the Woman of His Dreams and the 14-Day Romance Challenge. But today we're talking about her latest book, The Power of a Woman's Words, How the Words You Speak Shape the Lives of Others. This topic is one that is near to my heart as I've seen firsthand the power of my words. So let's go ahead and jump into that conversation I had with Sharon all about our words. Well, hello, Sharon, and welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So one fun thing that I like to do before we start out our conversation, I like to ask my guests, what is something, a fun fact about you we might not have read or heard in your professional bio? Oh, my goodness. A fun fact. Well, let's see. I don't know that I have a fun fact. I can't think of it. I got engaged to my husband after three and a half months. Wow. That is a fun fact. (laughs) How long have you guys been married? Would be 40 years this year. Wow. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. um, My husband and I were about six months. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. By the way, you've had the same response every single guest has. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I just love asking that about people. It's fun. Um, So thank you for that. Okay. So you, we were chatting a little bit before we started recording. You have written, you said 24 books. Is that right? 24. So that's kind of a big milestone for me. Wow, that's amazing. I, I just, that, that always blows my mind. So the most recent one that you're about to release, re-release is, you want to tell us about that one? Yes, The Power of a Woman's Words. And the subtitle is How Your Words, the Words You Speak, Shape the Lives of Others. And we're calling it a re-release because I had a, a book that um, was The Power of a Woman's Words that was released in 2007. So this one is an updated version. It's got lots of new content, new chapter on the power of woman's words to her adult children. That was not included in the first one. So just freshened it up and a lot of new stories. I love that. So why did you decide to write this book? So the first version of it was released in 2007, you said, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And why did you decide to write it back then? And then why did you decide to re-release it with some new content? Rachel, when I was growing up, I grew up in North Carolina in a little rural town, and my home life was pretty rough. My, my dad was a businessman, and he, he drank a lot, and there was a lot of arguing in my home. My parents fought a lot, and there were just a lot of negative words that were spoken to me and just floating around my home growing up. And, and I just felt like I couldn't do anything right. There was something wrong with me. I remember when my mom was saying, what's wrong with you? And I remember thinking, I don't know, but something is. It's just something. I'm just not quite enough. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there was another woman in my neighborhood who was my best friend's mom, actually. And when I was 12, I started spending a lot of time over at her house. And then she would just tell me, she used positive words with me. And, you know, I didn't have a daddy who loved me, but I always wanted one. And I remember her telling me that I had a heavenly father who loved me. 
And she would tell me how much God loved me, how precious I was to Jesus, and just spoke blessings over me. And I ended up becoming a Christian when I was 14 under her influence. And the good news is we don't have the time to talk about it today, but both of my parents at six years, my mom, three years after I became a Christian, she gave her life to Christ. And then my mean old dad's three years after her gave his life to Christ and became one of the sweetest men I've ever known. But by the time both of my parents came to Christ, I was 20 and you know, the damage was kind of already done with those words. But I also had what I had in my, my teenage years was I, I saw the, how negative words can impact a child and how positive words can impact a child. Then lo and behold, I got married and I had a child of my own. So I kept all that. I guess those, those memories just were so weighed so heavily on me that I wanted to make sure that I was the kind of mom that built her child up and, and spoke life into her child and the kind of wife that spoke life into my husband. So you know, from the time I got married to the time I had a child and when I started writing books later, this was one subject that really weighed heavy on me, that I wanted to be that kind of woman who spoke life and didn't suck the life out of other people. So that was the passion behind behind that the book when I first wrote it. And I spoke on it for several years before it actually became a book. So it is definitely a passion of mine. Wow. I, I'm actually really drawn to the woman that was an influence on you. Tell me more about her. Like, was she just a neighbor woman or what was she to you? Well, she was just a, just a mom like me and you. And she was a stay-at-home mom. And I, I remember she just was happy all the time. And it doesn't mean that bad things didn't happen, but she just didn't fall apart. She had this this wonderful countenance about her. And honestly, Rachel, I thought she was a little bit strange because she talked about Jesus like she knew him personally. Mm. And I thought that was so odd because you see my family is all that went on behind that pretty door in that pretty little neighborhood with the alcohol and the, the fighting and all that came with that. We went to church on Sundays. And when we'd go in that church and people would say, how are you? And of course, we said fine, just like everybody else did. But we were not fine. Well, I started spending the night a lot over at the Henderson's home. That was Mrs. Henderson. And I started going to church with them on Sundays. And I realized that there was a whole group of people at her church that talked about Jesus who uh, talked about Jesus like they knew him personally. So one thing I saw in her was just the love that she had for her husband, the way she spoke to her husband, and the way she spoke to her two girls. Now, that doesn't mean that she never corrected her two girls. She certainly did. But there were so many positive, loving words that were spoken over them and to them that it it made the, the correction and the words that a parent needs to say, it would just kind of soften the blow. If you understand what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. it's that they were at an emotionally low, lower point. Like if you were on a scale of one to 10, they were, they were cruising about a one or two where I was at an eight all the time, just scared all the time. So I didn't have a lot of room in my if someone spoke negatively to me, I was so ready, felt already felt so badly about myself that it just, you know, threw me over the, the top. But with her and her children, they knew they were loved. They knew they were precious in God's sight. And I wanted to make sure that I was that kind of woman 
And here's the thing, Rachel. I know most of the time we're 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 talking about children and impacting our children. We tend to think about our own children, the kind of mom we want to be to our own children. But what we need to see is we can impact other children and the children that come into your home from other families. We never know what's going on in somebody else's home. Now, Miss Henderson did because I told her after a few years. But we never know the impact that we can have on our kids' friends and just children we come in contact with in general. I've often heard that it's better to build children than repair adults. And I don't know about you, your ministry, but mine, I feel like most of the time I'm working on repairing adults. But as moms, we can make sure that we're building children with our words. So prayerfully, they won't have as much to repair when they get to be our age. That's so good. Yeah. As a therapist in training, I can tell you absolutely that's what 90% of therapy is, is, you know, adults yeah. who have wounds from their childhood that they didn't even recognize or, you know, know to shape them and their view on the world. Because especially when you're young like that, you're little sponges, you know, and so something yeah. things that are said are just like they just penetrate the depths of your soul and, and just shape the way that we look at the world. And so I appreciate you sharing the story. You know, I'm just I'm drawn to Miss Henderson. I love Miss Henderson because here I am talking to you. Well, I know you've been married 40 years this year, so I would assume you know, she came into your life, what, 45, 50 years ago? I don't know. But but, and now here we are talking about this woman who, you know, she could have, she could have been like many stay-at-home moms, you know, kind of will struggle with, well, I don't know how much of an influence I'm having. You know, I'm just a little stay-at-home mom here. I'm just raising my kids. I'm just, you know, maybe, you know, having a neighbor, some neighbor kids over. But holy cow, when I listen to this and I see how here we are talking about her, four, five decades later and talking about how she influenced your life. And then now look at you. You've written 24 books. You have huge ministry, you know, happening. And I mean, wow. Talk about the ripple effect. That that to right. me gets really exciting. Yep. And that's who we can be. One of the key sentences that I say in the book, which is on the back cover, is our mirror, our words become the mirror in which other people see themselves. And see, I, I had one mirror held up at home, and I, she held up another mirror with her words to tell me how God saw me, and it made all the difference. And that's what we do when we speak words to our children, to other children, um, to our friends, to our husbands in the body of Christ. We're holding up a mirror with our words, and that's how they're going to see themselves. And it impacts people for the rest of their lives. That's so good. We hold up a mirror with our words. That's so good. I love that. Would you, with that said, and I know you talk about some of these things in your book, but are there any relationally destructive things that we should avoid using with our children or our husband or anybody in our sphere of influence? (laughs) Well, actually, the way I break it down is there's a chapter for for our children. There's a chapter for our husbands. There's a chapter for friends. And there's a chapter for people in the body of of Christ. And at the end of each one, I have a list of words, destructive words that we need to avoid, and then a list of positive words, things that we should say. Now, the reason I made the list at the end of each one of these chapters with each one of these different people in our sphere of influence is because I think once we see them in print and we can see the list, then it makes us more intentional 
about what to say and what not to say. And when I see this list of negative words and I hear that come out of my mouth, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, you know, it's like, oh, I can't believe I just did that. Let's just talk about like for, for children, words like you can't do anything right or you're driving me crazy. You make me so upset. You make me so angry. Why did you do that? I mean, how many times have I asked my child that? I, I don't even know. I sh- but it's like, they don't know why they did that. Look at all I've done for you. And yet this is what how you treat me. Oh, mm. And then listen, that was like an old tape. And I, I remember one particular day when I had taken my son, he was in fourth grade, to an amusement park before school started. This is just one little example. And I do not like amusement parks, Rachel. They're <laughs> hot. The lines are long. They cost too much. And I don't like those rides. And I was feeling like, man, I am such a good mom. I bet he doesn't even realize what such a good mom he, he has. So we were on this one ride, and I was getting ready to say to him, you were so lucky to have a mom like me to bring you to a place like this. But right before I said it, the Holy Spirit just stopped me and I had the thought, would he feel lucky if I said those words? No, he would feel guilty and like he owed me something. Hmm. So I changed it just a little bit and said, Stephen, I am so lucky to have us you that I can bring to a place like this. Now, that was such a little change, but it made all the difference in the world. In other words, you don't appreciate me, you never learn, and what's wrong with you? Oh, that was that, those were words that just echoed into my adult years, and I said them to myself as an adult, what's wrong with you? And I remember thinking, something is. Okay, negative words, those are things to avoid, just a few of them. And I have some of these lists on my website that people can just print out for free under free resources. For kids, things they want to hear, I like you. Do you know that kids want to know, most most kids know that their parents love them. They're like, yeah, they love me. They're my mom and dad. They're supposed to love me. But so many children don't realize that their parents like them. And then they grow up and you know what? They think the same about God. I know God loves me because the Bible says he does, but I'm not sure he likes me. So I remember when Stephen was in school and um, he didn't, he didn't ride the school bus. I took him to school and I would always say, have a great day. I love you. And I like you. So Mm -hmm. I always made sure he knew, you know, he's an adult now he's married and we still say that, you know, just complimenting them. Like I I love the way you fix your hair. I love the way you wear that sweater, but we need to make sure that our compliments are not just all about appearance and performance, but also about their character. Um, I love the way that you were such a good friend. I learned about life from you. You were so brave. I love to hear you pray. You know, just words like that that are that are speaking positively about their character. That's just a few examples. But I encourage you to make your own list of things to say and, and not to say. And then that'll just make you more intentional with your words. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have my hands on a copy of the book, even though it doesn't release for a few more weeks. And I was looking through it and I loved that you wrote out those things, because like you said, I think sometimes our words, we don't fully realize how many toxic words we're speaking because it's like they got into the air and you don't see, you know, it's like you're you're not when you're not being intentional. And so when you read it, like even I was reading the list and I'm going, oh, man, 
I do, you know, it never registered in my mind that certain statements may not be the best things, you know, to say out loud, you know, I don't know, it just makes it more tangible to me to see it written down and then to be like, oh, okay, yeah, let's, let's be mindful of that. And, um, you know, I, I also love that you said to compliment their character. I think that's huge. And I really love that you hit on the fact that I think this is part of why so many of us um, have grown up with, or maybe even some people listening today still wrestle with thinking that God might be mad at them, you know, because, well, if I didn't, oh man, I didn't earn his love today, you know, it's because we, you know, might've grown up in a home where somebody was constantly saying those things like what you just mentioned. Do you know how lucky you are? You should treat me like this because I did this for you. It's a, I give this to you. You should give this back to me. Well, that's not how God's love works, you know, (laughs) and that's not... (laughs) That's not how grace works. That's not how any of it works. He just gives, 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 and he expects nothing in return. And that's hard for a lot of us to wrap our brains around. <laughs> it is. It is. It's not human. <laughs> no, no, I still can't believe yeah. it. I'm like, are you I sure know. about this, God? Like, are, did you? Yeah. I can't believe this. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Okay. And so you you mentioned a bit about one of the chapters you added into the revised edition is a chapter on adult children. Can you talk a little bit about that, adult children? <laughs> well, that is a whole nother animal, isn't it, from talking about children that are, you're raising and then having adult children. And, you know, this is true whether whether we have adult children or whether we are that adult child. And a lot of what, when I wrote this chapter, I did talk to a lot of people who were newly adult children. And what, how do you feel like your parents need to change the way they, they speak to you now? Plus having my own adult child. And then also thinking about how I was spoken to as an adult child and what I would like to, would have preferred, you know, it to help. It should be different. But, you know, as you, when you are a parenting young children, you are kind of coaching. You First, you're the commander, and then you're in the coaching phase from like 6 to 12, and then you're the counselor from like 13 to 18, and after that, you become a consultant. Now, a consultant speaks when they're asked a question. They, they, they don't force their opinion on, I mean, you're studying counseling, I think you just mentioned in therapy. Someone comes to you when they want counseling. And I think as for when we're speaking to adult children, we need to, to not be, if we want our phone to ring <laughs> and if we want them to come and visit us, not forcing our opinion on them, um, not telling them what to do, being there and being when they want our help. That's not our job anymore to tell them what to do. It's, and I was very intentional when I where I put this chapter in the book because I've got children and then friends and then adult children. Because really, adult children aren't just big little people that have gotten bigger. They are now more like your friends. And parents, if if you want your phone to ring, if you want them to come see, if you want to have a great relationship as adults, need to change the way that they interact with their children, adult children. I, I think of, you know, one sad story of a, a fellow who told me that, that he got an award and the mother leaned over and said, you need to thank your father for this. You didn't earn this award. Your father really earned it for you. Now, 
he here he was. That was said to him in his 20s. He told me this story in his late 50s. So you see how that one negative comment just stayed with him all those adult years and how it made him not want to be around his mother because she spoke words like that to him. So we we really need to be cognizant with our adult children about the words we say to them, just like we need to be careful with everyone we speak, but that they... They're adults now, not pushing your your opinions on them, not telling them what to do and, and how to do it, but being more of a friend. Yeah, and what would you say to the adult children listening right now who they are thinking, man, I never had my parents speak any life over me, you know, that that they they don't have that redemption story of um, they grew up in that maybe that negative environment and still carry those wounds. Do you have any words of advice for them? Well, absolutely, because that was me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, another book that I wrote, which is one of my, my favorites, is called Enough, Silencing the Lies That Steal Your Confidence. Mm. And the reason I wrote that, this is kind of like if you've got this book, The Power of a Woman's Words to Other People, then the book Enough is more like The Power of a Woman's Words to Herself. So if you grow up with these a negative self-image of who you are, that you're not enough, you can't do anything right, something's wrong with you, you're not smart enough, not talented enough, just bottom line, not enough – what needs to happen with that is you need to change the way you think. And there's four steps that I talk about. One is to realize the enemy's true identity. You know, the, the real enemy is not your parents or the person who hurt you. The real enemy is the devil himself. And he is the one that reminds you of those lies over and over that you're not enough. Then we need to recognize what the lies are. If you've heard those lies that you're not enough, you're, you're not going to ever be a good mom, you're never going to be a good wife. You hear those lies and you repeat them to yourself. You need to recognize that they are lies. I remember D.L. Moody once said, the best way to tell if a stick is crooked is not to argue about it or denounce the stick, but to lay a straight stick alongside of it. Mm. Now, what what is the straight stick in our lives? Well, Rachel, the, the straight stick in our lives is God's word. God's word is the straight stick. So whatever you're telling yourself, does it line up with who God says that you are? And if it doesn't, now who does God say you are? He says you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You're a saint. You're, you're holy. You're chosen. You're completely free. You've been forgiven. You're the bride of Christ. I mean, I could go on and on. I get so passionate, excited about true identity in Christ. But look at who God says that you are. If it doesn't line up with what you're telling yourself, then the next thing you do is you reject the lie and you say, that's not true. So maybe there's something you have heard as a child. You've been telling yourself, you still tell yourself that day, today, you still feel it creeping in. You have to stop and say, that is not true. And once you reject that lie, then you replace that lie with truth. For example, I am not, if you say, I I can't do this, whatever it is that God has called you to do. Well, that's not true because the Bible tells you I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's all things that he has called you to do. So recognize the lies, reject the lie, and then replace that lie with truth. And when you do that, what you're doing is you are 
renewing your mind. See, the Bible says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? Changing the way you act? No, it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when you reject the lie and replace the lie with truth, you're changing your mind, renewing it with the truth. And you probably know this from your study in therapy. You actually knew brain patterns start to develop neurological pathways in your brain begin to change it's like repaving an old highway um, and you begin to believe and start renewing your mind with the truth and you see yourself differently so we kind of got off on a whole nother highway but it's so important that yes as we look at the words that we speak to other people the power of those words there's also great power in the words that we tell ourselves about ourselves. And that doesn't have to be spoken out loud. Those are the words that we're thinking in our minds about ourselves. Incredible power in that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, to answer your question about the therapy thing, there is a particular therapy that I'm drawn to. It's called cognitive behavioral therapy, and it's all about replacing irrational thoughts. And I love as a Christian therapist, you know, sometimes when I study therapy, I don't know how people do it without God because I'm going, you know, I mean, if I were to be here trying to do counseling with somebody telling them to replace an irrational thought, which is something they make up on their own, that might get you a little bit of the way, you know, might make you feel better for a little bit. But it's definitely not going to do that deep transformation. And I'm so glad you brought up this thoughts thing, because actually on Instagram, before I interview my guests, I always ask my listeners and followers if they have any questions. And one lady had a great question for you. She actually asked, how do my thoughts affect my words? Do you, I mean, you you already kind of talked about that. But on on this light of the power of our words, you know, anything, uh, any other thoughts you want to add to that in regards yeah. to her question? My country grandmother used to say, what is down in the well will come up in the bucket. Mm. Now, the Bible says that a little differently (laughs) and that whatever is in the heart will come out of your mouth. So I think that in order to change the words that come out of our mouths, we have to look at the source of where the words come from. So that and that is the heart. So by changing the heart the words that we say will be differently. But it all goes back to the mind. You see, you can't separate the heart and the mind. Changing the heart, changing the words we think will change the words that we speak. So again, it goes back to renewing the mind. It goes back to examining the heart. And then that, out of the overflow of that, the Bible says, out of overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it starts with the heart. And the stronger our relationship is with Jesus Christ, the more we're in his word and then we're praying, the better that water down in that well is going to be. So what comes in the bucket, comes out in the bucket will probably be a lot different. But I want to encourage you to, you know, it's hard to tame the tongue. we got good news and bad news when it comes to that. And the, the bad news is James says that it's impossible to tame the tongue. You know, that is pretty, it does say impossible. It's impossible for man to tame the tongue. But the Bible also tells us that nothing is impossible with God. So even though that is difficult, we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us that that allows us to be able to work in tandem with the Holy Spirit and change the way that we speak. So it's not impossible with the Holy Spirit, but, but it does take practice. It takes practice to to change the way we speak. 
Yeah, that's so good. I even love the tagline of your book is how the words you speak shape the lives of others. To me, that that right there is just like, you know, just just makes me stop and go, oh, wow. Yeah, it's literally the words that I speak aren't just shaping my life, but they're shaping everybody who comes into my sphere of influence. So that's so powerful. With that said, as we start to wrap up today, is there any encouragement that you have for anybody listening on this topic? Uh, Well, my encouragement is that we just to be intentional, to be Mm -hmm. intentional about the words that you speak, because you never know. I mean, you heard my story. You never know when something you say can change someone's life. You know, we we read that passage in James where he talks about something little controlling something large. He compares the tongue to a a bridle in a horse's mouth, changes the entire direction, uh, compares the tongue to a, a rudder on a ship, something very small, controlling something very large. And then he compares the, the words we speak to a spark that starts an entire forest fire. And then he says it can change the whole course of someone's life. Mm. So the words that we speak can change the whole course of someone's life. And it might be something you say, you might never see that person again. I know I've met people in traveling who have said something to me, both good and bad. And it's really changed the course of my life in some way. So we can be that change agent for people to speak life into people instead of sucking the life right out of them. So that's my encouragement to be women who speak life to those around us and to change people's lives for good. Wow, that's so good. And thank you again for taking time to come on the show today. Where can people connect with you in this online space? Probably the best way is my website, and it's um, SharonJanes.com. My last name's kind of strange. It's um, J-A-Y-N-E-S, but SharonJanes.com. You can get the book on there or Amazon or CBD, Barnes & Noble, anywhere that you normally would purchase books. It also has a Bible study guide uh, that comes with the book. So it's great to use in churches for small groups or any kind of gathering with a small group. But if you go to SharonJanes.com, there's some of those lists that I mentioned. You can go into the free resources. From there, you can find out Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, that, that kind of thing we connect. We also have on Facebook, we have the Praying Wives Club on Facebook. You just go to facebook.com forward slash Praying Wives Club. And every day I send out a, a new prayer for praying for your husband. So it's a great place to gather with other women. Ooh, I love that. I'm going to go check that out myself. I love um, (laughs) praying wives stuff. So, well, Sharon, thank you again. I'm excited for the listeners to get to hear this and also get your book. And thank you for taking the time to come on the show. You're welcome. Thank you, Rachel. Wasn't that a great conversation about the power of our words? I encourage you to take inventory of your words over the next week and see what God shows you might need some reprogramming. Hey, one of my favorite things to do is email subscribers with the headline, You Won. To be on that VIP list, simply text the phrase, Real Talk Giveaway, that's all one word, to the number 44222 right there on your cell phone. I randomly select winners for the guest books, and just by being on that list, you are entered to win. Don't forget to head to lovedandblessed.com to grab a gift for a special someone in your life. That pink box of encouragement might be exactly what they need to brighten their day and keep moving forward. All right, friends, that's all for today. I pray this episode brought you one step closer to getting real, living free, and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel. Rachel.